Hello and welcome to the what we're going to call Fireside Chats. We're having a bit of a, a book tour and a bit of a book launch or a bit of a, a book excursion. So we are here today with the Liam O'Neill. So first of all, hello, Neil. Or Liam. Hello, Pete. Thank you for having me on your excursion. Thank you. It's uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So, I mean, really, first of all, is you know, it's great to have you on. You have written a book. I have. Quite, quite some time ago. And we thought with, what a great opportunity to actually pull it apart and, and see what's in between the, the pages. That's cool. Sound like, sound like a fair thing to do? Yes, I'm ready. Yep. <laughs> so the title is Limitation is a Mirage. So Which first is of genius. All, it is genius. Yeah. yeah. So first of all, break that down for us so that people that do, do actually understand what it's all about. So Limitation is a Mirage spells out my name, first of all. Uh, when I did the TED Talk, which is today, about five years ago, I discovered on Facebook today. Um, that was like the opening of my talk. Um, so I had planned to use that to like bring everything together. But the idea was I, I wanted to teach a book about how I believe you can be and do whatever you want in life. And like limitations are invented by your, your mind, like you make them up. You tell yourself you can't do things that people have repeatedly done before you and will do after you but for some reason you are incapable um so that's kind of where the limitation idea came from and then playing around with words limitations is a mirage appeared and i just loved it so went with that your personal journey to a life without limits this is the new cover this was the original cover when it first came out so the, the reason that I changed the cover, in case you're wondering, um, is people kept asking me at talks, and is it all about fighting? The whole time, like, is it all about fighting? And I would, you know, whenever you sort of, you, you're so deep in a project that you get like project blind, I would be like, what are you talking about? Have you opened the book? There's nothing to do with fighting in this at all. And eventually, I just clicked at an event. I was like, oh, I see, because I'm wearing a vest and throwing punches <laughs> it looks like it's about fighting and i on stage talk about my 20 odd years of martial arts um so that's why i changed it and um, it's still got a wee bit of because the martial arts is in me so this is me doing tai chi at the world pole dancing championships where i was comparing and the photo was nice and i thought that's it and then this picture behind is um, a friend of mine uh, tony moore is a world-class photographer he's won everything that exists and this is one of my favorite places to be in the world, Slohan Glen. Um, it's a waterfall you have to climb down to, so there never be anybody there. Um, so if I want a bit of peace and quiet and water. So that is the, the where the the idea of limitations and rise came from, spelling my name and the switching covers, why that exists. Well, so tell us, how did the idea for the book first come about? <laughs> So briefly, I had no schooling when I left school, like I left school with nothing, nobody, I never learned anything, I wasn't allowed in half the classes, I was George's Marvelous Medicine was the first book I read when I was about 16, you meant to read that, like my wee nieces read that when she was about six or something, um, so I wasn't a scholar, um, I, I got into martial arts and I got into magic, so th this is related because I ended up going to see a guy called Ian Rowland who um, is a magician, mentalist, cold reader, speaker. And I loved his stuff. So I was like, right, I'm going to go meet this guy. 
and I always use Kung Fu to open doors for me, not like in a karate sense where I like put the door in. Like I would demonstrate something. So in the magic community, I had got a bit of a name for myself and what I do. Um, so when I wanted, I want to meet people. I want them to sit down and talk with me. So I find the easiest way to do that is to be interesting. So I broke a chapstick with my throat. We were doing a jamming session. Everybody was performing magic. And a lot of the three kids up in Belfast were just better than me at sleight of hand and stuff. And it looked really impressive. And I knew Ian loved sleight of hand. So I was like, right, can't do that. I'll do something nobody else can do. So I broke a chapstick with my throat and we ended up chatting. We were chatting about my life and what I've done. And he just suggested you should write a book. And I laughed it off. And then we spoke for a couple of weeks and he was like, I'll help you. Just, you need to get your teaching into book form. People will read it. People will learn and, and grow from it. So it came about through breaking a chapstick with my throat in front of a world-class speaker who is a ghostwriter and author. And he convinced Nick, he's wrote, help read, write these. And this is the first book I ever seen of his. Um, that's the book that sold me on. It's a really good book there. Look, just at the side of it. This, I wrote a wee piece for this book as well. Great it's author. Great um, Pete, you should check it out. It's, it's really good, but I wrote a wee bit in there too. Um, this is my, my collection of books wrote by people I know, uh, which is mad when you think about 16 year old kid leaving school, George's Marvelous Medicine, no, no writing, reading experience whatsoever. So I think that I like that story because it, it shows that limitations, like I had the limitation of, I don't, I don't really read or write them shit at this stuff and visuals show me it and I'll, and I'll learn it and I'll never forget it. Whereas now I can stand on stage and be like, I wrote this book. This is from my brain to there. So further proving that limitation is a mirage, which spells my name. So that, that actual, so that dropping of the seed saying you should write a book to then actually starting the process. How long did that take? It took about, it took Ian about, I would say, three weeks to convince me I should do it. And then once he convinced me, I, I'm very much, a, right, let's do this. So I wrote solid. This is mental. I, I wrote solid for about um, four weeks, roughly, and came up about 60,000 words. And I still have them somewhere. We got talking and Ian, Ian was explaining a few different things. And then I realized I was writing a book like I thought you should write a book, not like how I should, how I would write a book and how I would deliver my message and how it would be me. So we just scrapped that. So there's like 60,000 words scrapped. Um, it was called the six guiding principles. I had six principles I always taught when I was teaching Kung Fu and it was based on that. Um, it still exists somewhere. I, I scrapped it out, like just stopped working on it and just delete it all and not that mental um then we so we changed up the plan so ian sort of like interviewed me a wee bit on what would i teach if i was doing this what would it be like if you were doing this what are the things that you think people need to know and then i just took notes as we did that and then that is was done for about i would say about six weeks back and forward solid and then i wrote like constantly the hardest part was when i had everything written out and Ian was like, right now, go take out the fluff, take out the waffle and the, and the nonsense. 
and you're like i fucking spent ages writing this this is all gold but then when you start reading it you realize sometimes you over explain things and sometimes you go on a wee segue that's not needed so all in all it probably took me about i'd say about three months and this isn't like three months of an hour here an hour there like some days i was doing 12 hours sitting typing like i started this is how long like how much i was working i started typing i was shit on computers like i was a type a finger typer until like the end where i'm like typing away in so i learned how to type off the side of it as, as well as a wee key skill that i've got now um so i i would say that about three to four months and then obviously all the back and forth and getting the the cover designed and done and like ian did all of the stuff that i didn't know how to do and didn't want to know how to do like layout of a book and dealing with getting it as a as a ebook and all that sort of stuff that as soon as he started on that it just switched off so thank thankfully we had developed a great friendship by then so he was happy to sort all that bit out for me so really without Ian the book wouldn't exist at all so I, I always try to give him as much credit as I can for not just the idea but like sitting and listening to me waffle for months <laughs> to create that that I mean that actual did, did you enjoy it because I mean to go from as you say it's go from where you were to, to actually writing a book I mean was it a case of once you decided then it was done it was just a case of how or yeah once once Ian convinced me that was it I was having a book like I, I started to it's a an Eric Thomas he one of my favorite speakers he talks about he didn't write a book he's an author if you wrote a book then there's you've only wrote a book but if you're an author then you write many books so in my head I was like I'm an author now like this is me I'm an author like when people ask me what I did I would say oh I do this and this and I'm an author as well and I just I had so much trust in and Ian, this is something I've done and, and you would hear about it in the book as well. When I decide to do anything or get good at anything, I find the top of the field and I convince them to work with me. And so I'm working every day. I got to work with somebody who's the one of the best in the world, the best in the world at cold reading and one of the best in many other subjects. So I'm like, this is a privilege to get to do this. And I'm an author. So I'm quite stubborn. So once it was agreed, then I'm like, this will be done. Like there's no, nothing will get, even throwing away the 60,000 words. Like remember when I was at school and a teacher would say like, you have to go and write a 201 word essay on something or a book report. I would be like 200 words, are you mental? The most words I ever wrote at school was lines. And even then, like I'd draw a straight line for I the whole way down the page. Like it was just terrible. So just to get to work with someone like that and, and to get pushed in that in that way, I was like, yeah, this is this is getting done. What did writing lines in school teach you? Um, it gets you out of class. If you be a if you be a bit of a dick for the first five minutes, they'll send you over the corner to write lines and you just stand there. So that was before they they used to kick me out of the class. That was part of what I did um it li literally taught me nothing the school punishments taught me nothing i remember being told i had to go to detention and i never went detention for anyone that doesn't know um is you be bad and they make you stay on in school for half an hour or an hour or whatever 
I just didn't go, so they just kept giving me more detention. Which it just was stupid. Like they're, give, they're giving me more punishment of the thing I was already not doing. But then they changed it, and they and st I didn't notice this till I was older. Instead, they told me that because of the way I was stubborn, I'd be really good at staying inside at lunchtime and opening the door for the teachers and keeping the other students out. So my actual punishment was not getting out to play for lunch, but I thought I was being rewarded. And that's sort of, that calmed me down a wee bit in school because I, I seen a bit of worth. Oh, well, I am a bit mental, but that mentalness keeps the other students out of the school because they don't know what I'm capable of doing. So I just let the teachers and they all speak to me. So, so it, they, they punished me by not letting me outside, but they did it in a different way. So I suppose if I learned anything from the punishments, it's that there's everyone is taught differently. I might teach the same 20 people how to count calories and I might have to teach them 20 different ways to do the exact same thing. But being flexible like that makes it, that's why I have a book. It's why all this stuff exists, I suppose. So lines alone taught me nothing, but punishments in school taught me that. <laughs> So tell me, what, what was your intention with the book then? What did you want to achieve? Or I just wanted to reach more people. Whenever I was working at the start, I was spread very thin. It wasn't as, people were not as keen to jump online and work as groups. Everybody wanted one-to-ones. So you're working and like, especially in the martial arts and, and the personal training arena, you had to do an hour with people, which I never got why everybody needed an hour of exercise. Like some people could do a 10 minutes and like Tony Robbins does a 10 minute morning workout every morning. Like there's people that run marathons, so they need like four to five hours training sometimes. So everyone's different, but back then everything was the same. So I, I just started to run out of time and I, I want to help as many people as I can. And I, at that stage as well, I had a lot of like coaches asking me for advice and, and mentorship. So I thought if I put this into a book, I think this was actually how Ian sold it to me in the end up. If you have a book, you can just sell that to people. And again, like the book is not expensive. So I, I just want people to, to be able to get as much information as they can. And I want my ripple effect of, of helping people to spread out far and wide. So if I help a coach and then they help their clients through something they learned in my book, then I can, I'm attached to that help. It's why the, the book exists as an audiobook. I had no intention of ever doing an audiobook ever. I remember chatting to a person and they just said how much effort it was. And I was like, well, fuck, I'm not doing that. I'm having the time. And at a talk, a guy said to me, loved your talk. I would love your book, but I can't read. And that was it. That was all, all it came, all he said. And I was like, give me three months. I hadn't a clue how long it would take. I remember talking to you at one stage. I said, I thought, I'll do it in two weeks. <laughs> I have a couple of days off this week I'll record it all and then I'll, I'll add it in the next two weeks it took me about a month and a half solid on my own like going through the whole thing it was it was a nightmare to do but when you listened it there's no way you would know I was having, having a nightmare doing that there was parts where I just couldn't even read anymore it's like can't even read my own words looking at myself well, that's not a word is that a word um, so I just want to help people and that's why it turned into an audiobook as well because I'm like right that guy wants to improve himself wants to help himself he wants to read my book he can't read I can't sit down and teach him how to fucking read so I'm just going to read it once myself for him and then he can have it and three months later I just sent him a 
message and was like, here's my audiobook. And then I put it on Audacity or Audacity. I made it with Audacity. I put it on Audible. Um, Audacity was a nightmare during all that, but I did it. <laughs> um, that's where the stubbornness helped or consistency or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I just want to help. I just want people to improve their life. And there's some people that are happy to come and talk to other people. And there's other people that just want to sit and read a book. But I designed it specifically not to be a shelf help. I don't want to just sit there and be like, I've got that. Oh, I've got that book. Like, it's the first thing. If you ever tell me you have my book, what's your favorite part? Oh, I like the way it looks on my shelf. Brilliant. <laughs> It's the type of book that you could get something from it. So say if you do the the mobility part of the book, you could learn the mobility stuff and move around and then go away and then real like a month later, come back and look at that and be able to just ma like see your improvement massively from that. The relationship stuff, you'll start to implement wee bits and pieces and then you start to realize what your boundaries are, what you want out of relationships. You're able to then go back to the book and, re and read it again and go, Oh, now I have a better understanding of what he meant by that. So it's the type of book I want people to go back to. And it's one of my favorite um, comments about the book when people talk about it is, yeah, I love just checking back. My my book's dog-eared and it's, um, high, I want it dog-eared, highlighted. Like this one is my shelf version. So it's just out of the box. Like I, I want, I don't want that to be yours. I want yours to have highlighter, dog-eared. Like you can buy two if you want and have one pristine on your shelf and then the other one everywhere but that that's that's what i want out of the book and a lot of time like because of the book shelf i'll buy like one or two copies because <laughs> i like it to look good on my shelf not that it was not because i moved everything but and then like uh, the shelf that's out of shot you can sort of see it in the shot now so like these are the books that i'm going through and i throw them in the corner and I, like they're everywhere so um like this is a book that's in my corner on my bottom shelf. Good book. That's been going through. Um, so I want it to be a book that people come back to that they, they can check back in all the time. So the intention was just to help people and I reach more people by making it easier to access me than trying to get hours with everyone every single time. So our intention here is to really just sort of pull the book apart and we have the, the luxury of having you know yourself to sit down and not to read through the book per se but to take the chapter to understand any principles and make sure we, we've properly gathered those uh mm -hmm. chapter by chapter take a chapter more or less a chapter per week and like i say pull it apart see what's there understand you know your take on it your intention here what are the key highlights for us to take away and allowing people to really to read along at the same time right because it's yeah it's, it's not just about reading front to back and saying yes great done this is about really trying to distill the information does, does that make sense yeah this i think this will be a perfect time for people to restart it or if you have had it and you had just haven't got around to start and now you're going to be able to read it and watch along with these videos and go oh that's what i took from it or fuck i overlooked that completely but that makes perfect sense so it's something that, that I do when I read and I'm lucky in this wee section here, I can phone the author and be like, what the fuck did you mean here? And then they'll go, oh, I meant this. I go, that's not what I was taking from it. And then we can converse about it. So that's kind of the opportunity as well that 
people are going to get here is going right i'm i'm i read that like they can comment on her to say this is what i took from it or um could you elaborate a wee bit more on this or if we if we overlook something something that they focus on they can ask about it as well so it's like a the way i was thinking about it when we talked about this it's almost like a training course that comes with a book like just more in depth than the book alone yeah i think it's great exactly it's and it's that chance for people to follow along at the same time and really to you know to go through it i think it makes makes a lot of sense Tell me this. I mean, with the so the titles you've uh, the titles of each chapter you've started all of them with. I'll prove. I'll prove you. What, what yeah. was the intention behind that? Um, I started working as the prove it guy because I would do a lot of crazy stuff and, and like I would do the the martial arts stuff. I would like challenge something. I might do like five hundred squats a day for a month or a thousand push ups a day or whatever. And I get sick of people saying stuff like, I don't know, but that's, that's you. And I would say to people all the time, well, I'm not special. I'm just willing to put the work in. And if you're willing to put the work in as well, you can achieve this. Like I can, I, I'll prove it to you. Or I would do something and someone would say, oh, prove it. And I would go like, I go, oh, I'm going to go and do um, a thousand pushups today. Prove it. And I'm like, well, fuck me. I will, I'll, do, I'll, buddy, I'll do some stuff. So, so it came about from people asking me to prove things all the time. And for me saying, I, I can prove that you can do this. Like you can be super confident. And if you give me the opportunity, I'll prove it to you. So that's where, where that came from the, the whole prove it guy thing, because, um, people would, would say I was special. And again, this is where ego comes in. People, when I tell a story on stage and stuff, sometimes people go, but egotistical air. It wasn't, I was special to like inflate my ego. They weren't like, oh Liam, you're special. You're amazing. You're like the whole thing now is superhuman. Like I talk about it all the time. So it wasn't about me being awesome and special and them saying I was deadly. It was really about them not believing in themselves, not willing to try. So they need an excuse. Well, I couldn't, he can do it because he's got 20 years of martial arts. He meditates every day. He is fucking mental. So he's going to be able to do this. I'm not like that. So I couldn't. So it wasn't about building me up it was about keeping ourselves down so that's where the proving guy came from look if you give me the opportunity i will help you I'll, I'll prove that you can overcome your self-limiting beliefs i'll prove you can scale new heights i'll prove you can be more mobile like i would work with people and i'd be doing corporate stuff and they would be like it's easy for you you can get up and walk about all day i'm stuck behind a desk and like in the book there's a section on mobility in the office and i go i can prove you'll be mobile now and like show me you trying to touch your toes can't touch my toes do these four things do it now yeah you're like it's not about like that's not a, a fix forever that's just a fix for then and there but it proves that they can move and, and get something out of it like i've had it on stage where it's easy for you you're on the stage and bring people up on the stage with me like well, what would you say if you're up here let's go like if you have a message delivered if you want to deliver it do it I've had people on stage and I've given them free reign to try to punch you in the head to prove to prove that the limiting belief of them on not being able to punch me in the head because their belief in my martial art ability, just because I said I have 20 years of martial arts. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be able to punch me in the head if I don't move, but it's never happened. And I'll probably never do it again now because I'm saying it out loud and people will know. But I have literally stood and said, I'm not going to move. You can punch me square in the face. I, I allow you free reign 
tell security everyone free reign and they throw like a and they don't hit me i've never been hit i'm never doing this again now that i've done this live on camera because i'll definitely get punched um i never get hit and it's not because i move or i stop or i have some sort of fucking magical force field it's because they don't believe before they even start they believe they're going to feel i am a 20-year veteran of martial arts i'm going to block this so then they they don't even try so my my the prove it guy came from all of that like everything i do you can do it as well like i don't i don't claim to have any mystical abilities like i've trained with mystics with gurus with masters with fucking loads of people that at the start i'm told if you ever get to train with this guy you're gonna learn like to fucking float or whatever like you're gonna learn the secrets and you get there and you're like all right there is no secret it's just hard work everything's just putting the effort in so that's where the prove it guy came from i was just sick of people using me as an excuse for them not trying or succeeding so i was like look give me an opportunity i'll prove that you that you can so um, even when I came full circle and came back to this with COVID um, closing everything down for me, just with weight loss, like I have a people in my group that, that are lighter than they've ever been in their life since they've started weighing themselves and they keep coming back with, it's not, I, the last time I tried to lose weight, it was really difficult and I hated it and I struggled and you're like, yeah, that's because you did stupid shit trying to achieve unrealistic goals. I am teaching you things that are lifelong that you can do forever. I, like I use the line a lot like if I die tomorrow and you just keep doing what I've told you to do you'll be fine you'll miss me and all because I'm awesome but apart from that you'll be fine and you'll be able to achieve so the idea behind the book was that if all you had was this book and you implemented all the stuff um you could become a proven person you could be and do whatever you want in life and that's where the proven guy came from in a nutshell <laughs> very big nut but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i like it i mean it, it's because it sounds like obviously you start off by proving it one to yourself and as you yeah. say then people go yeah it's okay for you so then you gotta go okay i now need to not only prove it to myself but then i need to prove it to you or or to, to let you prove it to yourself that you can do it too right so it's it's sort of becoming learning yourself and then becoming the teacher to saying yeah it's not about what i know it's about what you know yeah. I think I think a true master, like again a kung fu term, but a, a true master is someone that can teach. That's I know lots of people that can do, and if you say to them, "Go and teach them how to do that," they would be like, "What are you talking? About? I just you just do this." Like I would all the micro steps you're taking to get to that final position. Nobody can see them except you until you explain it. So. I always wanted to get to the point like like if I had a uh, had a mentor I I didn't just read what the mentor told me to read I, I read what they were reading so I would ask them what what are you what do you study what are you reading what are you looking into so I would know not only where I am but where I'm going and then once I get there I can build even further on that it's why that's why most of the mentors I work with became friends rather than just um being like the, there's no pedestals where where I am I try to like hear the way I talk I very open and honest and I, I curse I just talk the way I would talk if you met me in real life because I, I don't want you to think again back to the proving I think I don't want you to think oh he's special I want it to be this guy is just doing the stuff he says he's doing why why can I tell you it's easy to meditate and you can consistently meditate for forever if you want 
because I meditate three times a day and have done for the guts of I've been meditating for just over 20 years since I started martial arts, but I had to, it was just part of it. You were just told. And I used to sit there and be like, fucking stupid meditating. Such a waste of time. I could be punching that thing or kicking that thing. And, and you just had to do it. I just didn't say any of that out loud because I would have got hammered. But now I realized the benefit of it over time, but I've been tracking my meditation. I meditate three times a day for about 16 years, like without missing a day. So you can't tell me it's not possible because I've I've done it. I would never tell you to do anything I've never tried to do. Like my first ever competition in Chinese kickboxing wasn't because I wanted to be a competitor. It was because my students kept saying, what's it like to compete? And I'd go, you know. So then one day I was like, fuck's sake, I'm going to have to compete so I can answer this. And I remember just saying, Ian wins the next tournament. I'd been in England about, I'd been in England about, two and a half weeks and I was then in a, my first ever British championships for Chinese kickboxing. I'd only been doing Chinese kickboxing three and a half weeks. Like, here we are. <laughs> because I wanted to know what it was like to compete. So I could say to the students, it's like this, this is how the day unfolds is what it's like. So I would never suggest you do anything I wouldn't be willing to do. Um, which I think is what makes me good at what I do because you, you either know I've already done it before you or I would do it beside you. And as you say, people aren't going to question that either because your intention is there. Mm -hmm. And also, you you know, you're a man of your word, but also that, you know, you don't, you're not afraid of the hard work. You're not afraid of giving yeah. a word or trying it, you know, that's, and there's a lot to be said for that, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, it's something I try to do a lot. Like I, even when I became a magician, initially that was just, Steve, who I lived with, taught me, showed me some magic, taught me some magic. And then like, a couple of years later, I'm running my own magic course and I'm consulting for TV shows and stuff. That doesn't come about by accident. That comes about because I find the best in the world. I convince them that I'm awesome and they should be my friend. And then I train with them and I learn and I study and I offer. And, and like, I try to get this across to my group all the time and my clients i do not keep anything back I, I don't hide anything i remember when i studied kung fu and the masters would hide we secret techniques how to get out of stuff they wouldn't teach how to get out of certain moves so they always looked better so if they got that they got tangled the person put them in the mood they would get out or they'd have a wee pressure point or something that just gets them out of the out of baller i don't have any of that like i teach which is weird. One of my favorite Kung Fu sayings is um, the tiger never taught the cat everything. It's about like a tiger and cat in a fight and a tiger climbs a tree and the cat doesn't know how to. Which doesn't make sense because cats get up trees all the time. Fairmen always have to get them down. So it's didn't teach them how to get down the tree. But you know what I mean? <laughs> and that was something that, that used to come up a lot. Like don't, don't show them everything. If you're doing like magic and we do jamming sessions, don't show them how you did that. I... I just want people to learn and grow and improve. So I don't care if, if, if I teach you a technique and you use it, that's me helping the people who use it on. If I teach you a magic routine and you do it on stage, that's me entertaining the audience. Like that's for me, it's all about the more people I help, the more, even if they just bring enjoyment, like that's why I stuck with magic. One of the first times I performed, <clears throat> a guy cried. And I was like, fuck's sake, what is this about? I'm used to people crying in my therapy room, but why are you crying? I just did a magic trick. 
And he cried because he was like, that five minute routine that you did was the first time in months where I forgot about my life. And he was going through some shit at the time and it was like, I forgot all about it. Like that has been on my mind 24 seven for five minutes. I'm standing holding a bent coin. I don't know how the fuck you bent the coin, but it was in my hand and then it's just like, now it's bent. But I wasn't thinking about my life. Like that suspension of, of disbelief for him, not only just was a magic routine, but it was an escape from his life. And then being the person that I'm in, I turned it into a, well, if you could do that just by that, imagine if you went out for a walk without intention. Imagine if you meditated without intention. Imagine if you did X, Y, Z. And he ended up working with me for a while, just off the back of, of doing magic. So everything that I do is about trying to help people and create a ripple effect beyond just me. And I don't care if someone learns something of mine, uses it and never gives me any credit for it at all. It doesn't matter to me because I know what I teach is good. And if they use it right, it's going to help the people around them. So I'd much rather that person's helped by someone that they fully believe in that that invented it or whatever way they put it, than them think, well, I wish I had went to Liam if he's the inventor of it or whatever the fuck way they want to put it. I don't care. I just want people I want everybody to get better at what they do and do what they love and just help people. That's I fucking miss America with that. Very very miss America. No, it's true. I mean it's it's being of service, right? You know, it's no matter what, it's sort of helping people to help themselves. So Yeah. What um do you know any good jokes? <laughs> knock knock. Uh no. Jokes are not my forte. I'm more of a storyteller than a jokerist. Right. I have a riddle, my favorite riddle, I could tell you it. When's a door not a door? Don't know. When it's a jar. <laughs> oh, I love it. Classic. They got us in that comic con whenever Kathy was dressed as a riddler because they shouted at Kathy, tell us a riddle. And she freaked out and remembered the one riddle I repeatedly tell all the time to everybody. Um, it's my favorite riddle. Uh, I couldn't actually think of a single joke. What's the mantra you live by? Just get better. I actually was writing that down the other day. Um, my and first ever mantra was I'm great. You just run about shouting it. I'm great. I'm great. And people will be like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, go and do it for five days and come back and complain then. And if you do it properly for five days and they're still going to complain about it, there's something fucking wrong with you. I believe it. I, I walk around, I tell myself it. So I get accused of being so egotistical so many times by people that aren't willing to put the work in. Like what gives you the, like, I remember being in a class and being asked in a Kung Fu class doing a seminar and some of the guys were graded higher than me. And they asked me what gave me the right to come in and try to teach them when they've got a higher grade than I have. And I offered to fight the entire class in one go. Not because I thought I was fucking awesome and I could Kung Fu fight them like a movie. I offered it because I knew none of them would do it because they knew how to, to, to look good in nice forms, but they weren't, they didn't understand how to use it in real life. They never had real life experience and they never were tested in any like battle tested. So I knew just offering them one, everyone would say no. And I was able to go, that's, that's why I'm here teaching these because I'm willing to use it and willing to try use, use aren't, that's why I'm here. So the, the, I am great thing 
was a was something that I, I believed it and in order to believe it I had to put the work in I'm great at what I'm great at this am I great at writing a book not now but then when it was all I focused on I'm pretty good like now I could probably write a pretty good book but if I decided right now I'm writing a new book I would become fucking great at that and Ian would get the first phone call and I'm like right this is it let's go like whenever you ask me to write in your book I switch it back on I'm like right this is what I'm great at now this is where the focus goes is what it is so um just that was my first ever like you asked my wee sister but I used to just run about shouting it in the house all the time I didn't even notice my neighbors could hear me my sister was really friendly with the neighbor and one day she asked her like what the fuck was <laughs> wrong you're a brawler running about the house roaring I'm great by himself there's nobody else in the house just him on his own shouting it um and then just just be better I know I can always get better my training I go to the gym to get better like I was explaining to my group recently I was injured at the start of this year my back was injured so I, I couldn't go to the gym for a while and then I started back with real light light work and because I don't bring any ego into my training or my study I started back at light weights and I went up every week by about 2.5 kilos max even though part of me was like say for a deadlift for example you could jump that up 10 or 20 and I'm like yeah but I'm going to stick to 2.5 because I don't want to be injured I want to be better I don't want to be fucking stupid so working to be better at everything just meant that everything I was doing increased slightly instead of like how most people seem to want to do it they want to be the best immediately so they're like say you want to lose weight want to lose weight what have you tried drop my calories down to a thousand calories a day why did you do that so I could lose weight how, how did that work out I did it for about two days thought I was going to die now I'm up to 3000 calories a day and I hate my life. And you're like, that's because you, you did it stupid. Whereas if you did some research, looked into it, worked out what you needed, worked out what you were going to try to achieve, ask someone like myself that knows what they're talking about, you would have lost whatever weight you want. So just be better, like do better, be better. I think that would be, be superhuman, but that's about much for some people, but I believe it. You literally have the t-shirt. I, I have many, many t-shirts, which you'll see over the 12 sessions that we do. The many different t-shirts of Liam O'Neill. That is now a challenge. You cannot turn up with the same t-shirt. So um, no pressure, big lad. That's a challenge that Unfiltered Inc. will love then because they make my t-shirts. So they're like, so you need 11 more t-shirts. Let's fucking do it. Oh, I love it. Love it. <laughs> So um, I think we I think we passed the fifteen minute mark. So um, yeah, yeah. I think um, we'll maybe start to wrap up then. Go. Cool. <laughs> so key thing here is obviously people to get a copy of your book. I think probably the paperback is going to be the easiest, so that we can highlight, make notes, etc. It is also available in Kindle and also in Audible. Yes. Um, that's the the main place, the best place for people to go to get the book. Amazon, yeah. just Amazon will give you everything. That's the handiest way to do it. <clears throat> if you join my group, actually, now I'm to think about it, you get the audio and the ebook as part of your joining package. So Brilliant. I forgot yeah. about that there now. So do that. Join my group. Mm -hmm. Um yeah. But Amazon, mm -hmm. if if you just want to get the book, Amazon has it everywhere. 
Love it. So there's 12 chapters. We're going to be doing it over 12 weeks. And really, like I say, break it down chapter by chapter, make it super easy for people so people can follow along. It's not a, you know, it really is a, it's, it's a great read and it's a, an easy read. And, and, and I mean that in a positive way. And, you know, let's now encourage everyone to come along. So, Liam, I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you very and, much, Pete. Uh, that was thank a Thank you for your time and we appreciate it. Cool.